Do you like scouting? Oh, dude. <laughs> Isn't scouting one of the things we just, I mean, I'm going to go hang some flags, you know. I'm going to go have a look, see. Um, it's, I think it's one of my favorite things personally to go do. Why? Um, because I'm independent. I feel like I'm doing something that is for the benefit of the crew or the people behind me or whatever. I feel like I'm gathering essay. I'm getting a better picture of what's happening. And you're not generally swinging a tool when you're shouting. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Wildland Fire Lessons Learned Center podcast. I'm Alex Victora, Assistant Center Director of the Wildland Fire Lessons Learned Center here in sunny Tucson, Arizona. This week we're coming to you with a discussion Travis and I recorded a couple weeks ago now about scouting, wildland fire scouting. When you don't know what your fire's doing, use scouts. It's high-risk stuff. Stay tuned. Okay, back to the discussion. Travis and I were chatting about scouting. Why do we do it? Why do we like it? Why do we need it? Some of those things. Talking about some of these pressures, some of these conditions we operate in when we do something like scout on a wildland fire. Understanding some of those things and talking about it is, we hope, part of a conversation about something basic, something fairly basic like scouting that is probably deceivingly, deceivingly risky. And uh, we've got some data We've got some examples uh, to chat about. And this is a conversation about much more than scouting. You know, scouting is the central topic, but Travis just drops nugget after nugget, gem after gem, and things like entrapments and social stigma around using shelters and a whole bunch of other good stuff. So this is more than about scouting. So back to the discussion. As you probably don't remember, maybe you do. I didn't. I was chatting about why I like scouting. I like scouting because... I think there's a cerebral part of it that I appreciate. You know, we're thinking about what we're going to do, where we're going to go, where we're going to, you know, if we're building line or if we're just thinking about contingencies or whatever. Um, I like the thinking aspect of it. And I, in all honesty, never really thought much about how much and what percentage of the time people, or me for that matter, is kind of hanging it out there. When you're scouting, do you always think, like, right before you leave, out, leave, do you say, okay, here is my personal LCES? No, honestly, I think no, because I've spent, personally, um, a lot of time walking around in the green, sometimes close to fire, you know, within a mile or a couple of miles, um, but lots of times so far from fires that I'm not even thinking about the fire, I'm thinking about all right, what is the, is there a value at risk out here? Is there something to protect? And if so, what are we going to, what do we need to do to do that job? You could call that complacency or you could call that lack of situational awareness. I mean, there's a lot of. Or you could call it normal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've made sure that like the squad or the crew is all dialed and they damn sure better have their LCE, you know what I mean? Sure. And then just com- walk the other direction and completely ignore it for right. myself. Which is an ironic thing because they may well be literally one foot in the black, so they may be more well taken care of exactly. to you when you're off again. I'm actually taking on more exposure. And then as a division or task force leadership, I mean, when are you not? Yeah. Hey, let's see what's down this road. Yeah. Let's have a I look mean, out here. Yep. It's like, when are you not scouting? Right. Exactly. 
And how many, if you were to go through the, the watchouts, uh, <clears throat> fire orders, unburned fuel between you and the fire, are you actually really, you know, able to see or know what your fire is doing at all times? All, the, I mean, we could use the checklist and beat up scouts pretty hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Fun. Yeah, it is fun. It is fun. I remember that being like the most exciting thing after getting qualified as a single resource. You know, I got my crew boss done and then it was all of a sudden it was like, I'm free of this burden of other people. <laughs> you know, <laughs> sure. like I can go do stuff on my own. Right. Um, and uh, I actually remember that um, getting... Uh, you know, now as I look back on it, it's totally an entrapment. I've, I've been entrapped <laughs> a lot more times than than is um, socially acceptable to admit. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's partly because of our twisted sense of entrapments. But um, I remember it, it wasn't that long after I was qualified as a crew boss, and I was going to be the lookout. And it was actually um, it was in California, it was at uh, Yosemite, and I was just going to go get on this rock knob you know, mm-hmm. this good spot to mm-hmm. check it out. And I was super stoked because I was qualified to do it. And, um, and I went out there and, and <laughs> you know, in the afternoon, the fire made a kind of a surprising run. It wasn't at me, but it just totally cut me off from, you know, my plan, which was to go back <clears throat> to where everybody else was working. And it was just, just real clear. Oh, okay, well, I'm stuck here. And then I spent the next hour or or longer just burning my spot out, hmm. you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it was totally unplanned, but I adapted and made, you know, and it was actually fun. It's one of the more fun things that, that you can do is by yourself <laughs> burning out your little one. There's, there wasn't a real urgency to it or anything like that, but by the books is totally an entrapment. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I was out serving as a lookout, which I I don't know, is that a form of scouting or not? Um, Sure, yeah, right. But it's textbook in terms of the exposure that we take on when we scout. Um, By the numbers, scouting is um, high exposure time for entrapments and and for other things, too. I mean, if you think about it, a lot of times when when you're scouting, you're still, there's still potential for all kinds of bad things to happen. It's just that the mitigations are a lot harder now. Right. You know, the response to a bad thing happening. Mm-hmm. Just because you're alone. If you get hit by a tree, that's harder. Because right. Because now people have to find you. Right. If you fall down and break your leg. Like, right. You know, it's just the nature of being alone. It just, it just makes recovering from any sort of mishap that much harder. Right. Are we maybe misleading ourselves a little bit because the folks that we tend to assign those duties well, I guess suppose they fall into a couple of different categories right lookouts can be the, the kid who's got the turned ankle which is, <laughs> is which is just highlights some of that stuff you're just talking about is sometimes we put folks in lookout positions because they're broken um, or which is efficient there's nothing sure. wrong with that if right. they're hey, we've got capable get, or mm-hmm. whatever right yeah situation to situation it can be fine um, but then in terms of the people who are out again hanging flags um, looking at the next ridge, whatever the case is, those folks tend to be experienced to one extent or another, and for better or worse, they have a sense of what's normal work. They have normalized, you know, potentially a whole bunch of different things. 
um, being comfortable being away from the block. Oh, you mean the Devil's Den fire? The Sawtooth fire? Mm Mm-hmm. And recently here, the Frog Fire. Yeah. Yeah. People that are dialed. Right. Exactly right. Those are dialed. They know what they're doing. Mm Mm-hmm. And it still happens. Yep. Yep. Um, In in each of those cases you just mentioned, um, Devil's Den uh, in Utah, 2006, um, Spencer Coyle was, I think, acting duty officer and, uh, you know, task force qualified, <clears throat> a lot of time in, by all accounts, very experienced, professional, solid firefighter. Um, sawtooth, give us some sawtooth details. This is one of these ones that we don't know, people don't know the story of sawtooth. Yeah, I mean, that's... <laughs> Number one, it didn't happen in Idaho, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, it was a prescribed fire in Arizona. In Arizona. 2003. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, around here, legendary firefighter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rick Lupe mm-hmm. uh, just was going to go. It's very similar, actually, to Devil's Den. He was going to go down and check something out. Ended up getting entrapped and overrun by fire. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it was just the 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 alarming thing about it is it's is the last person right. you would ever expect that to happen just because of their almost legendary status in terms of firefighter right um, if fire knowledge mm-hmm. if rick lupe says hey i'm gonna go down here and just have a look-see that doesn't raise alarm bells for that means that it's perfectly fine to go do that right and good we'd rather have rick yeah, do exactly. that than there's, travis do that there's, or alex <laughs> there's nobody you'd rather have doing that right um, right and uh from all accounts that's, that's similar to to Dave Rule, you know what I mean. He's dialed. He's, yep. he's frog fire. Away. Yeah, he, uh-huh. there's no um, there's no doubt of his capability, mm-hmm. and he's doing something that's just completely normal, man. It's an emerging fire. It's going from type four, type five to four. It's mm, they're talking about it going from four to three, and mm-hmm. he's likely going to be the the trainee. And so it's it makes perfect sense to go kind of walk around and get your eyes around. You know, on the concerns, like you said, are there values at risk out here? And we walk out and scout things out. Yeah. What are we What are we dealing with? We've codified that in the fire orders. Know what your fire is doing at all times. <laughs> at all times. Right. So how do we do that? Um, and I'm looking at some <clears throat> stuff here from the actually from the 1960s, um, post Loop Fire. The Loop Fire was in 1966, and uh, some of the analysis response to the Loop Fire specifically talks about the need to improve scouting at all critical points. So this is not a new discussion, uh, this discussion about scouting. So one of the things I want to think about and get people talking about is, okay, we know scouting is important, and scouts sometimes get um, in in tight spots, and in those three cases at least that we mentioned, uh, bad deal, uh, ultimate bad deal. So, uh, you know, folks who are scouting, what, what should we what do we what what does their training need to look like what what are the kind of things they should be thinking about what does the data we have say yeah lay it down what do you think <laughs> well the first the first step when i think about it personally is man i i can't even get to the point where i'm acknowledging that what i'm doing in in scouting is is literally accepting like i'm not even conscious of the exposure that i am taking on mm-hmm. and that consciousness i i think is for me, is always the first step. It's just like, okay, what I'm about to do is dangerous. Right. Um, I am actively putting fuel between me and the fire. Yeah. 
those those types of things. It's I mean, I've told you this story numerous times. I know about the first fire I went on after um, Yarnell, and I was crushed by by uh, Yarnell. There's probably I probably shouldn't even have been going on a fire, but. I went out and ended up as a, uh, a task force leader in Oregon somewhere, and was just just gonna go take a look. There was this there was this big firing show, you know, like the big box option, and then there was somebody starting to squawk about, no, I think we could pick it up. And so, you know, of course you want to go have a look yourself and come up with your own idea because this is a big decision. Are we gonna bite off this big chunk of ground? Or are we gonna expose a bunch of people to some rough line but have it be a, a good deal mm-hmm. you know a good catch button it up a couple three yeah days. exactly and so i'm going to go check it out and i start off driving i'm by myself i'm a task force leader and i'm just going to go look at this thing and and, I, and the road starts in the black <laughs> right but it eventually winds around and it's now it's in the green i wasn't even like really thinking of it i was just like oh okay whatever the black ends i'm sure it loops back over and comes back and i'm in this this big loop that happens to be it goes down and it so happens to be mid-slope <clears throat> and so now i'm mid-slope and the brush is getting tall <laughs> and i'm literally mid-slope with the brush on either side above the pickup and i i hear it i hear the fire and i can't tell exactly where it's coming from it's like the brush is so high i can't hear i can't i mean i i have a pretty good idea but there's like possibilities of it coming from all different areas and then i just hear somebody over the radio say yeah we're we're backing out this thing's it's starting to go Mm -hmm. and in that moment i thought about yarnell Mm -hmm. and i was just like yeah, like there was just all this discussion about how how could you be caught in the green? How is it that, you know, people were out in the green? And and, and I was like, here I am. I'm going to be next. Like, And it wasn't even conscious. I just, I didn't realize I was even doing it until I was in it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I just got in the truck. I was just going to go drive and check this thing out. And all of a sudden, and, you know, and I was able, like most instances, most people's moments like that, I just backed up to this little clearing and turned around and it was no big deal but yeah it's it just illustrated to me how how easily we can end up in that situation and have it be not conscious at all so going back to your question about what do we, <laughs> what do we what's the takeaway man if we could just get to that one step of i am going to go scalp something <laughs> this is a dangerous mission <laughs> right um uh, this is how it all starts they all start the same right they all start the same. Yep. You start from a safe place, and you end up in a in a bad spot. Right. Spencer, Rick, yeah. and Dave all thought, and had all done what they had done. <clears throat> you know, the, the, the mission, the, the short walk, the hike, they, those guys all went on. They'd done it before, and they n- n- you know, n- none of those three guys thought, okay, this is going to be the one. <laughs> yeah. No way. Or else they wouldn't have gone. That's sure. pretty clear. And they probably didn't even think, oh, we're really going to hang it out this time, but I think I can squeeze it. You know, right. I think I can, I can uh, get this. So there's, there's literally, I was looking back at some of my, uh, some of my stuff, my data, and I, I pulled out um, single-person entrapment. 
for 25 years of single-person entrapments. There are pretty much three scenarios in which individuals are entrapped, not multiples. Can you guess at what those those scenarios are? Well, <laughs> is it scouting? Scouting's got to be one. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, the most, um, the largest piece of the pie is scouting. Yeah. Uh, equipment? Yeah, heavy equipment. Heavy equipment operators. And then uh, I wonder if Lookout shows up on the, or if, I mean, yeah, that'd be my other guess, but maybe they kind of lumped with scouting. They, yeah, <clears throat> I think I've lumped them with scouting. Um, they, they weren't enough to be their own slice of the pie, okay. I guess. Um, uh, firing, mm-hmm. literally people with drip torches in their hands. Right. Uh, interior ignitions fairly regularly mm-hmm. right i mean you can get turned around or somebody can box you in or you know and you are playing with fire it makes sense when you think about all these instances um heavy equipment that's just something that those folks <laughs> get out in front and mm-hmm. they're by themselves right incidentally if you <laughs> if you're east of the mississippi man that's and and you are entrapped mm-hmm. chances are you either are driving a big piece of equipment or you have a drip torch in your hand right pretty much it mm-hmm. um, and if you're out west and you got entrapped by yourself you're probably you were probably scouting mm-hmm. although the the ignition stuff does happen as well but mm-hmm. um, and heavy equipment but not to the extent that it does in the in the east right in in terms of numbers those are the and the scouting is is dang near 40 percent of single person entrapments okay which is huge yeah is this data that we published a couple of years ago? And no, this is separate. With um, the several years ago, 2012, it just happened to be a year where scouting was a was a big instance mm-hmm. um, of entrapments. I think that was the year we had Pole Creek. And uh, remind remind folks what happened on Pole Creek. The bucket ride. Yeah. <laughs> All I need to say. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The. the the ride in the Bambi bucket, yeah. uh, Pole Creek, um, fire up in uh, kind of eastern uh, central Oregon, south of Banda, I want to say. Yeah. Yep. Um, but there was other instances that year, too. There was, um, I think it was a task force leader or somebody uh, scouting on an ATV, uh, trapped, burned uh, pretty bad. Some folks in Colorado and some of those real fast-moving fires are out checking some stuff. It was a big year for entrapments in general, and scouting was... In just that year, scouting was 22% of those um, entrapments slash narrow escapes. Right. Um, Scouting's a a big deal, but I've never thought of it. It's not one of those, like, red flag scenarios or situations that uh, I just wasn't brought up thinking that way. And by the time I got the ability to scout, I just... I was overconfident. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) I was so excited about being able to do it. Yeah. Um, you know, the other times that I have been entrapped <laughs> on prescribed fires, it was that same thing. I'm going to go look at something. And these are just like real common scenarios that I now label as entrapment because by textbook scenarios where your plan didn't work. Mm-hmm. Oh, I had to I had to scramble a little bit. I had to duck and weave or I mm-hmm. had to, you know, basically it means that's an entrapment. Um, and again, that's not socially acceptable to... <laughs> to talk about because entrapment pretty much means you're a bad firefighter not literally but socially right a pretty heavy stigma is associated yeah, with that term absolutely, absolutely. i mean yeah. and we documented that with the resistance to use a fire shelter yeah. like logically what if we take emotion out of it and all that other stuff 
what sense does it make to be resistant to getting in a fire shelter? Right. If you're at the point where you're considering it, mm-hmm. logically, what what reason is there to resist it? Right. Struggle to find one. Yeah. Yet it happens all the time. Right. <laughs> that hesitation or whatever. But anyway, the uh, the other times that I've I've found myself needing to scramble or or whatever, it's um, it was either carrying a torch and 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 having to bob and weave or going in. I had an I had a, one instance. <clears throat> which is is just classic one um, of an ATV. I'm gonna I'm gonna go in there and check to see you know whether or not that piece has come together before before we box it in. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, there's some pieces I wanted to come all the way together before we send fire mm-hmm. through. You know what I mean? Um, and and my instructions are literally like, hey, don't close the box until I'm out because this is my way out. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you get on the radio, copy, copy from both sides, mm-hmm. and go do my work. And I turn around, and damn it, if it's not boxed in, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> and that one's an okay story to tell because it wasn't my fault. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. it's just those other bad people, <laughs> right. and they said copy on the radio. <laughs> so you know, then it's even better to talk about how awful they are. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Those idiots did it. Wasn't you. Wasn't you. Wasn't me. Wasn't me. But um, just to, to again that consciousness. I didn't. And I don't know how to trigger that in people to to get people to to say to themselves, "This is dangerous." I am division soup, and I'm going to pretty much be um, entrapment material all day. <laughs> right. So you know, we used to have line scouts in the system, and we don't anymore. Not officially. Not as a standalone position in uh, in ops we have field observers they're more of a planning function though but what do you think about that notion is this is this a position that should be revived um well i personally haven't crossed that threshold where everything that used to be is awesome (laughs) sure (laughs) seems like everybody gets there at some point Uh where we uh, reminisce about the good old days and uh, as if entrapments and fatalities somehow didn't occur and then it was, oh, it's these new practices and this policy and hiring problems and all this new stuff is why bad things happen. And it's like, no, we've never had an era where there wasn't bad things happening. Mm-hmm. So I'm not convinced that the fact that we no longer have a line scout means that we somehow approach scouting differently. Right. You know, give me a few years. I'm sure I'll get there. And Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, you know, maybe that's a, there's an argument to be made that... The just having that position is is indicative of the of a higher value placed on the utility and maybe even the danger associated with it. I, I can see somebody making that argument. Right. We've got all kinds of different single resource types. Sure. You can be a heavy equipment boss, which is not the same thing as a crew boss, which is not the same thing as a firing boss. Right. They're all single resources, but we recognize, well. Good crew bosses might not know anything to be a good heavy equipment boss, vice versa. Yeah. So maybe, you know, I don't know. I'm not convinced that we uh, that we need to define the position uh, or redefine or resurrect. And, I mean, I, I'm trying to recall an instance as a division supervisor where I was like, man, if I only had some line scouts. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, but you've certainly been in a position, I bet, where you go, man, I, you know, if the fobs come over to my piece... I specifically am going to send them to do 
one, two, three, X, Y, Z. Yeah, and then yeah. they're going to tell me, I work for plants. So <laughs> <laughs> don't tell me what. what. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're they're going to come in yeah. and ask me, hey, we're in your division. Is there anything you can look at? And I'm going to say, yeah, there is. And they go, oh, actually, sorry, we can't do that. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've been that fob plenty of times. No, yeah, I'm, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe there's some value in, in um, making it a, a separate function. I don't know. Um, well, short of that, what, what again, is, is the, you know, what's the message? <clears throat> is there a message beyond, or is, it, is that where we should start? It's just to get people to embrace. Yeah. Hey, look, man, this is high-risk stuff. I mean, it's kind of a lame thing. It's, it's a broken record, I, I feel like. like. It's just like when we were, I was struggling with the idea of be afraid to open the fuel tank on your chainsaw uh-huh. and, you know, feeling like somehow that's lame advice. Well, it kind of is in some way because, look, man, I, I opened my fuel tank, you know, but the response to that is I opened this fuel tank maybe hundreds or thousands of times. Exactly. That's the point. That's why. Right. That's why you should be afraid of it. Yes. Because yeah. you are just, yeah, it's going to be a surprise. Yeah. Right. Um, and the more that you can build some sort of mechanism into acknowledging that and there's tools Mm -hmm. you know it's it's like um it's like asking is this flight necessary Mm -hmm. why is that on a checklist yeah why is that printed why is that something that people and i mean we've all gotten annoyed with the person that always uses the checklist Mm -hmm. and they pull it out every time and they always start their briefing the same way you know what i mean it's sure the medical field struggles with this how do you get doctors how do you get surgeons to use a checklist right even though the data shows that clearly clearly it doesn't eliminate you know missed steps mm-hmm. but man it's, you have a lot better chance <laughs> of of um, not missing steps if you use a checklist right um and you know asking is this flight necessary that's a powerful question to right. begin every every operation every preparation for a flight or whatever because we know that's a high exposure um, instance and the same thing could be that's what we're advocating when we say be afraid to to open your fuel tank is just like recognizing that this seemingly benign task (laughs) has put people in the burn unit that's all it is it's just a reminder we're not saying it's going to blow up in your face right we're saying there's a potential for it right and when it when it has happened in the past it's been a really bad deal right and so I don't know what the equivalent of that is for scouting because it's just so much a part of how you're going to do the job if you're a task force leader or a division or a field observer for that matter. Yeah. Um, it's baked into the job. Yeah. You know, yeah. you will be out in the green. You won't be, you may not be uh, next to good safety zones and your escape route might be a windy road, you know, beaten through the brush, uh, you know, up some ridge or whatever. And so. if I'm doing it, I haven't even thought about an escape route because I'm just, yeah. I'm just out there doing it. Right. I'm just going taking a look. And, uh, and so, yeah, I think <clears throat> language is important, being intentional about the way we phrase things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know that there's a specific instance where you can say, is this scout necessary? <laughs> you know, it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. But the more you try and, and think about it, and I, and I appreciate it. I try to appreciate it when other people point it out to me. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's hard to hear. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, I've done this before. I know what I'm doing. Thanks for 
Yeah. Thanks for the heads up. Yeah, dude. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, sport. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, and that's and really that's what a lot of these things are about is this uh, these conversations we have with each other with with ourselves internally, and then and then as a group. Um, um, it's a conversation again, whether it's the fuel guys or uh, with the fuel tank. That's an internal dialogue, and we've had heard some great stories this week about um, you know about those internal dialogues folks have had, folks who've been burned have had about the potential for the the fuel geyser, um, and uh, uh, so there's clearly a conversation happening there, um, and maybe that's that's our first goal here with scouting is have that conversation, that discussion with yourself. And then others around you, um, and be deliberate, and, and let folks know, hey, I'm going to be out here. Um, I'm going. Let's have that talk, you know. And maybe somebody will say, you know what? I just there's just no need actually at this and point. Yeah, you know, if you go back to those initial attack, emerging incidents, just having those little those those moments, and we say it to each other. We we tell each other we care about each other a lot, but we don't say it that way. Mm-hmm. We say, yeah, man, be safe. Uh, hey, keep one foot in the black. Heads up out there. Yeah, heads up out there. Keeping camo, whatever, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. we're saying, hey, I care about you. This is dangerous. <laughs> but we're not saying that. Right. Especially in those moments of, you know, I can just imagine. That's what creeps me out about Frog is that I can just, I can see it. So it's so normal. And in my mind, that initial Initial attack, going fire, resources coming, just not quite enough, but, you know, you could catch it, but maybe not. You just got a hose lay, you know what I mean? All of that stuff is associated with really positive feelings within myself, positive experiences. Like, I love that moment. Mm-hmm. I love that time. Right. Especially as a trainee, especially when oh, it's your chance man, to get it's your chance and a good one on your book. Yeah. And, and it's just fun. That's right. the whole point. That's, yeah. the, that's that's boil it down. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't even care sometimes about what position I'm in. It, that's just fun. And and to to try and inject into that some sort of dark cloud about danger is just that's hard. But shit, man. On the other side of that is a funeral, man. Like yeah. Um. So in getting back to the language as as. If somebody goes out there heading out to scout an emerging fire, say something. Right. And have it and say something that's not normal. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Because one foot in the black, for the most part, just goes in one ear out the other. We've as heard that. As well intentioned as that is, it doesn't, it has, it, it's lost its meaning. And for Pete's sake, don't say be safe. <laughs> Well, that's good, and, and that's uh, and that's probably a good spot to to wrap it up because that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, stop me now. <laughs> wow. So, what do you think about that? There's a lot there, huh? What does scouting mean to you? What does it mean to you now? What do you think about doing? Uh, your next scouting mission. Will you do anything different? Will you sit and have that conversation either with folks you're going to scout for or simply with yourself? What else needs to be talked about as part of this conversation on scouting? What do we miss? What did we get wrong? Please let us know. Leave a comment. Send us an email. You can tweet us. You can send us a Facebook message. Heck, 
send us a postcard. And with that, you should know that the podcast is now in iTunes. Uh, Go over to iTunes if you get your podcast. If you do any business in iTunes, check us out. Uh, Just do a search for Wildland Fire Lessons Learn Center. Subscribe in iTunes. Leave a review in iTunes there. Uh, Reviews are important. That'll push us up the list a little bit there in the iTunes ecosystem. We're also in Google Play. If you have a Gmail account, a Google account, you've got an account in Google Play, believe it or not, and you can check out our podcast and tons of other great podcasts inside of Google Play. Uh, subscribe there inside of Google Play. And we're also in Stitcher. If you've never heard of Stitcher, it's just another spot to get your podcast. Uh, any of those services, we're now available inside of. Uh, of course, you can just check us out inside the Podbean. You get the Podbean app for your phone. And if you subscribe in any of those services, you'll get a ping, a notice, an email, a little notification on your smart device uh, the second there's a new episode. So check us out in any of those services. Uh, please subscribe, tell your friends, leave us a review, let us know what we, uh, what we got right and what we got wrong and, and become part of the conversation here, whether it's on scouting or entrapments or, uh, any of the things we talked about today or anything that's on your mind for that matter. So with that, I'll sign off and say thanks a ton for your time. Music made me want to go serving. <laughs>